Hey guys, and welcome to a special edition of the Money Podcast. It's called Money News You'll Really Use. The concept is simple. We subscribe to tons of financial publications, and every month we read hundreds of articles. Then, once every couple of weeks, we give you the highlights to bring you up to speed on the important news that affects your money. Think of it as an investor's almanac. In part one of today's show, we're going to discuss where we are now and what's happened in the markets this month. In part two, we're going to go over important news stories. And in part three, we're going to go over recent investments the three of us have made. Then, time allowing, we'll go over a listener question or two. I'm your host, Stacey Johnson. My co-host, as usual, is Miranda Marquitz. Hi, Miranda. Hey, Stacey. Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. What's happening, Aaron? How you two youths doing? <laughs> what the <laughs> heck was that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> a little cousin, cousin Vinny okay, there. Okay, let's get the ball rolling, guys. But first, a quick disclaimer. We are going to discuss specific investments in this show, including things we personally invested in. But then guess what? That doesn't make them recommendations because what's right for us may not be right for you. Before you invest in anything, do your own research. Make your own informed decisions. Okay, let's get back to the news. But let's start with where we are now and what's happened in the last couple of weeks. Now, we did last time we did this, it was October 14th. It is now, by the way, November 3rd. It's not, it's not October 31st. We should have done this at the end of the, at the, end of the month. But we were busy trick-or-treating, weren't we? <laughs> yes, we were. So we couldn't. So now it's November 3rd. Anyway, but we're going to talk to you about what happened in the month of October. Uh, the Dow was up 6% this month. That's, that's huge. I mean, think about that. That times 12, that's 72%. That's a nice month. And especially— I heard it was down today because of the Fed announcements Well, the Fed this. announcement's happening on November the 3rd, which is now. Uh, right, right, right about this time of day, too. Yeah. Um, but for the month of October, the Dow was up 6%. And, and remember, too, September and October are your two worst months of the year. So the Dow being up 6% last month was, was pretty outstanding. And so far for the year, the Dow is up 17%. That's pretty good. Your tech-heavy NASDAQ was up 7% last month. So far this year, up 20%. Now, when I'm saying this year, I mean as of the end of October— uh, the Russell 2000, that's your small companies. It was up 4% for the month of October and up about 19% so far this year. Oil prices were up about 11% during October, up 70%, actually 69% so far this year. And the 10-year Treasury bond, you know, it started the year under 1%. Now it's about 1.55% was at the end of October anyway, a little less than that right now. Uh, so far this year, then interest rates on the 10-year are up 70%. Pretty good, or not? Well, not good if you're paying interest, but uh, or if you're if you're rather if you've got your money in a bank, uh, interest rates are still horrible. Mm. But they're good if you're a borrower, because interest rates are still cheap. And apparently today, as as Aaron you just alluded to, the Federal Reserve is meeting. And they're start they're talking about doing some tapering. Do you know what tapering is, Aaron? You're the novice investor here. Um, let's see. Yeah, I guess they're, uh, no, I actually don't know. I, I know that they're, uh, been buying a lot of whatever they're buying, buying bonds or whatever. They're going to taper that back. Um, yes, that's exactly right. Well done. Yay. Okay. So we, we had a really good month this month, an unexpectedly good month. I really thought October was going to suck, to be honest with you, but it did really well. And maybe some of these news items will explain. I've got a few news items picked out. Uh, I, I've got about 20 here. I'm only going to go over a few of them. And if you guys want to join in with news items that you found interesting for the last few weeks, let me know what they are, and, and uh, I'll tell you what I've got. Okay, so let's see. 
on let me go back to the beginning this this is over the last couple of weeks only my first story here's your headline this is from october the 18th uncomfortable inflation is here and it's changing the economy that's the headline here's here's a blurb from the article workers are demanding pay increases because they can see their wages aren't buying as much with so much every with so many everyday necessities costing more including rent that leads companies to hike prices more then workers turn around and demand another pay raise. Economists call this phenomenon a wage price spiral. It often leads to sustained high inflation that forces the Fed to step in to stop it. Alternatively, consumers could pull back on spending as they worry about high prices, another scenario that's harmful to the economy and could lead to a recession. What do you guys think? So we talked about inflation now for, gosh, since the beginning of the year. Um, and we we all agreed that it might be transitory, but now we're we're getting a little less certain of that, aren't we? I thought about that when inflation was first mentioned, but um, it seems like spending is still quite high, isn't spending it? Spending is high. Well, th- he's not saying the, the author of this article, it's from the Washington Post. Uh, they're not saying it's going to happen. They're saying it can happen because uh, wages are going up, and we've all agreed. We talked about this last time we had this this podcast. If wages go up, they're not going back. I mean, no one's going to get, no one's going to start making less money, and landlords aren't going to say, you know, we're going to just lower the rent, you know, and, and companies aren't going to say we're going to lower prices. So the inflation's already there, and, and the but the the thing with inflation is that it's really mental as much as it is physical. So like what this guy's saying here. Uh, if if you think that things are costing you more, you're going to demand a raise, and if you demand a raise, things are going to cost more. Because the company's going to charge more for its products. And then that creates a spiral. Uh, And then, go ahead. Go ahead, Marina. Oh, I was just going to say, so where was all of this happening for the last 20 years when prices were still going up, but wages were stagnant? (laughs) That's what I want to know. That's true. That's a good point. Well, you know, now workers have more leverage, though. And maybe that's the reason why. Because now there's a great worker shortage. And, you know, after after the... um, pandemic, uh, I shouldn't say after, we're still in it, I guess, but uh, the material part of the pandemic, at least, a lot of people just said, I'm not doing this anymore. It ain't worth it. You know, I'm not going to go to work for $10 an hour. And I think one of the things that we forget about is the fact that 500,000 Americans died. So, I mean, that creates a bit of a worker shortage, too. It's hard indeed to have workers when they are dead. And, and that's one of the things, too, if you actually look back at um, the history of the plague uh, and what happened after the plague, right? One of the biggest increases um, following the, you know, the... The Black Plague was there was a huge increase in quality of life um, for, I guess, what we would call the peasants, since there wasn't really a real middle class at that point. But there was a huge increase in quality of life because um, the 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 pay, the way they, the way that you know they had to be treated, um, the the policies, everything else improved for those people because there were so many people that died. I mean, like half the population of Europe, um, and so there was a huge increase in quality of life. And so there is a chance that we might see something similar here, especially if the pandemic continues and deaths continue to rise. I mean, everybody keeps talking about oh, this great resignation, this, this, this. Well, there are a lot of people who are incapacitated by long COVID. There are a lot of people who have died. There are a lot of issues related to this pandemic that aren't just, oh, people are quitting. Yeah. 
And actually, by the way, I, I just looked this up where you were talking because I thought it was more than 500. We've had 748,000 people die, and we've had 46 million people get COVID. Let, let's consider, let's combine both these things. Uh, you own a restaurant, and you and your waitresses, or your, wait, your wait staff, I should say, your servers, are tired of getting screamed at by people because they're wearing a mask or they won't wear a mask or whatever it is, and they quit. Now you got to hire new servers. And you get, in order to get servers that, that don't mind being screamed at, you got to pay them more. And when you pay them more, you got to charge more for your hamburgers. And there you go. There's inflation. And as soon as you charge more for your hamburgers, those servers, because this is happening all over town, they're going to demand more from you too. More money because everything else costs more. So there, there's uh, inflation right there. Inflationary spiral. Now, maybe this calms down. And by the way, I do think it will. But it is important for you as an investor, folks, those of you listening, uh, to realize that if there is inflation, and there certainly is some now, whether it's transitory or not, uh, this can affect your investments. How? Uh, because it'll affect uh, your high PE stocks will we'll probably take it in the chin. Your bank stocks and your manufacturing stocks, companies that can increase, uh, banks will do better when there's higher interest rates. And, uh, and companies that can increase their prices that have an inelastic uh, demand uh, will also do well. But companies that don't uh, may may suffer. So this is important for you to keep your keep an eye on. Keep your fingers on the pulse of inflation. If you see inflation in a headline, read the article. See what's going on. So the Fed's buying about what 120 billion bonds a month. A month? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, and they're so they could be tapering that they, as we speak. I'm not sure. So what's what happens when that process starts happening? Well, that means that they're what, essentially what the what the Fed is doing is they're saying we're no longer going to keep interest rates low. That's and I don't, I'm oversimplifying. They're saying right. the economy doesn't and the, and need the Fed, our help. The Fed's been wanting to increase overall inflation for like ten years. Now, yeah, well, they, 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 their target is two percent, and obviously right. we all know that inflation is running higher than two percent for this better part of this year. Uh, but they're right. thinking that you know that's temporary. So they they want an inflation rate of two percent, and it has been running below two percent for quite some time, a few years. Uh, and it has been, and, you know, deflation is the worst case scenario. You don't want that. You want a little bit of inflation in your economy. You don't want deflation because nobody spends money uh, if prices are dropping every day. That's deflation. So you, you want you want inflation to go up a little bit, but you don't you don't want deflation to happen. And so that's what the Fed's job is: is to balance interest rates so that it so that the maximum number of people have a job. That's their that's their mandate. So uh, and and to keep prices in check. Those are they're their two mandates. So when the uh, so what's happening now is they're they're saying the economy doesn't need our help as much. We're not going to do as much to keep interest rates low. We're going to let them start start to come back to equilibrium by themselves without without us influencing them. But it's it's going to be a very long slow process. This will not occur overnight, no matter what, because it will upset the the economy and the stock market. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably going to take a couple of years. Couple of years. Couple of years. But today and today may be this is again November third. Um, it's about two o'clock Eastern, and as we speak, they are meeting and they are soon to announce. Uh, they're expected to announce that they will begin to uh, to slow down their bond purchases. It's called, it's called tapering. They're going to uh, well, they're going to stop supporting the economy as much as they have. But it's going to be very gradual, very slow, and it's probably not going to accept the market. I don't know what the market's doing right now, but anyway. Let me read you another headline. This headline comes from Bloomberg. It is called Happy Mood Music and Markets is Ignoring China Troubles. <laughs> it's kind of a funny headline. 
A quick blurb from it. There are any number of discordant notes as growth dwindles in the U.S., inflation in Europe rises to the kind of level that might force the European Central Bank to take action, meaning raise rates. And most importantly, China appears to be lapsing into its most significant economic slowdown, not driven by pandemic, pandemic disease, in a generation. So China is slowing down. Why do we care? Well, we care because they're a big market for a lot of U.S. companies. So that could be that could hurt our economy when well they're the second largest economy in the world and you know they you know what the the expression has always been the United States is the biggest economy in the world and the expression has always been when the United States sneezes the world gets a cold and that's true you know China maybe not as much true of China as the United States but they're the second biggest economy in the world so if they slow down it could hurt us too something else to keep an eye on um, you guys have any investments in China Chinese things Chinese companies I do. No, other than other than like I have like uh like an emerging market an emerging market fund because China's still considered an emerging market for some reason. Yeah, so I mean I have an emerging market fund and then I also have uh one of my global bond funds is um it includes includes Chinese bonds. Well, I own a bunch of Apple and that might as I mean that's obviously not a Chinese company, but it sure sells a lot of iPhones in China. It and really so, does. It, and they're expensive. And if, if so, if, if uh, China slows down, Apple could slow down. So there, there's a lot of companies you think may not be in China are in China uh, because that's obviously it's 1.3 billion people. Everybody wants to be in that market. But a lot of companies are pulling out of it uh, because it's getting too complicated, because it's getting more communist, frankly, uh, and, and less uh, capitalist. But I think we're going to have more information on that, too. Uh, anyway. One more headline. If you guys have anything else, too, just jump in here. But I'll keep reading headlines until you do. <laughs> oh, um, I was gonna. I, I was waiting for you to finish before but, I brought it. No, go ahead. In. Go ahead. I can throw one in later. You go ahead. I'm tired yeah, of hearing no, myself talk. Yeah. So, well, what I think is going to be interesting is you know uh, Bloomberg again. La Nina arrives. We're threatening droughts. Royal markets. Um, like we've been seeing some food price inflation. Like if you've been going to the grocery store, you've probably noticed. And so if La Nina, you know, does cause some more drought, some more problems there with crops, our food supply chain is going to continue to be rough. And so that's just something to kind of keep an eye on for your pocketbook. Yeah. Good point. And our news so far has been kind of negative. I've got one news item that's not negative so much as it is weird. We're going to give that to you right after we get back from this really, really quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, I promised you weird. Here's weird. This came out on October 21st. It's from Axios. Here's your headline. Trump says he plans to launch a new social media network in 2022. <laughs> that's the headline. Oh, it's going to disrupt everything. Here's your blurb. The group says its mission is to create a rival to the liberal media consortium and fight back against the big tech companies of Silicon Valley, which have used their unilateral power to silence opposing voices in America. He launched one like just a few weeks ago. It tanked hard. And so, I mean, it's always um, you have to watch out, you know, because when you're looking at people who are always about the next grift, you do have to watch out and feel for your wallet and make sure it's still there. Well, you know, the um, stock has done really well, though, so far since it came out. I'm, I'm looking to see if I have a quote for it right now. I don't see it. But it, I think it was, isn't it AWAC? Isn't that what it is? Uh, anyway, I can't, I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Oh, his, his social media network has a stock? Yeah, it's already out. Well, because they merged with a SPAC. We, we talked about SPACs before. Oh, okay. Uh, so they, they merged with a company called, um, God, what's it called? So I don't have it in front of me, but. 
anyway, it came out at 10 and went as high as 175. <laughs> now, last time I saw it, it was about 60 something. Is it called Trump Meta? <laughs> no. I forget what it's called. Oh my uh, gosh, that's amazing. Oh, you guys caught the GFA on? Well, yes, yes. And I, well, we did. We had a, we, we talked about the metaverse uh, a few podcast episodes ago. And uh, now it's a big deal now that Facebook is doing its thing. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that would be amusing. Uh, I, I would not advise to uh, invest in it, but uh, you know, you could take a look at it if you're interested out there. Okay, uh, I got one more headline. I think that's all I've got, and then it'll be up to you guys if you have anything else. So I've got two more. Anyway, oh, this is here's your headline. This is from the New York Times. U.S. warns climate poses emerging threat to financial system. Okay, so here's the, here's the blurb. The report by the Financial Stability Oversight Council which is led by the Treasury Secretary and includes leaders from the major financial regulatory agencies, portrayed the financial threat of climate change in stark terms. Higher temperatures are leading to more natural disasters, such as hurricanes, wildfires, and floods. These, in turn, are resulting in damaged property, lost income, and disruptions to business activity that threaten to alter how assets, such as real estate, are valued. The, the climate is finally coming home to roost. And I, I wanted to mention this just to give a special shout out to my friends out there who have, have called um, global warming fake for decades, while the rest of us who, who actually pay attention to science realize that this is a danger, not just to survival of the human species, but also, and more, more to the point, or, or certainly in the more short term, to our financial system. So thanks very much, guys, for, for poo-pooing uh, scientists when they said the, the world was warming, because now we're actually going to reap what we have sown. I think this is kind of similar to um, our viewpoint on how AI is going to disrupt jobs. It, it is, but, you know, how we always come back to that fact where, you know, the Industrial Revolution, you know, was disrupting jobs and everything. But all we did is ended up finding different ways to work and, and make money. I almost feel like the environment impact is kind of the same thing where it sounds bad now and it's going to probably be bad in a lot of different areas, but we're probably going to be pushed into other technologies and uh, we'll just invest in different ways. Yeah. Well, that could be. And I think, yeah. I mean, hopefully yeah. we'll, re we'll recover from this, you know, because that, that can lead into a story that I was going to bring up, which is uh, 3d printed houses. You know, this is something I've been looking into for quite a while. And a lot of the, a lot, of, a lot of little companies that have been R&Ding these these printers that can print houses, they they haven't been any. They're not IPOs. You can't invest in them. And um, I was surprised to read this article saying that Lennar Corp, which is a big housing construction company, was helping Icon build a bunch of houses in Houston. This is this is a cool thing because if you can print a house at a fraction of the cost of a big house, that's huge. Yes. And on top of that, you're you're not cutting trees. You're just using, you know, the basics of sand, lime, and, and whatever other fun chemicals that 3M can probably produce. And uh, these houses are, are highly energy efficient, and they can actually sustain insane hurricane winds. Um, so these things are, are almost like a gold mine to me, I think. And, and But what's interesting about this article is I thought they were going to make these houses fast and cheap and it turns out not only they're making them fast but they're kind of being sold almost at the same price point as a traditional house well, they probably aren't they're probably not super cheap right now well it's cheap to build but they're still making they're making a larger profit on it yeah 
you know, but, you know so if, that's, if it becomes... you know, when you're looking at it from an investment point of view, if Lennar is going to build these things cheaper, but still charge almost the same price, their profit margin is going to be oh, gigantic Oh, so you're saying we should be buyers of uh, the companies that are building these houses. Of yes. course, there'd be almost instant competition if that takes off, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, what, there's other companies out there with DR Horton and, and stuff like that. They're all going to get in on this is stuff. Is it Lennar that's and, building them? I know that, see, I haven't invested in anything like Lennar or Horton because I know that they've been putting money towards these companies. Like Lennar's given money towards Icon to try to, as a as a under-investor. Yeah. But Lennar doesn't own um, Icon. So... Icon's really the innovator and the ones that are that are printing these homes. And I guess in, I in Austin, they're, they're, they're building a whole bunch of them. So, yeah, you said Houston. It's Austin where they're building a bunch of them, right? Or is there both? Oh, no. I'm saying, yeah, I'm sorry. It's, it's Austin okay. that they're building them. Yeah, I read that article. Um, but they've been building Texas has actually been the leader in these, these 3D printed homes. And I've been in it. The reason why I've been holding off is um, it's legislation that's, that's taking the longest part. It, it's trying to get new codes and trying to figure out how how well uh, your local governments are going to okay the building of these kind of structures. And that's, that's what's it's taking a lot of time. I'd, I'd like to have a, a, um, a, a printed house one day. Yeah, it's kind of cool. They're only, they're single floor, but I think if they can start printing these things with two floors and, uh, or get to the point where they can build uh, apartment complexes, it's, that would be cool. there's no end in sight there. And it would be, that would help with, uh, with resources. And also yes. time, and also our huge housing shortage we have in this country, especially affordable housing. Exactly. Yeah, I've got one more article. But you got anything else, Miranda? I was actually going to say just I just wanted to really quickly talk about that whole uh, brouhaha over the billionaire tax on unrealized gains <laughs> because I thought that was really interesting. Um, because you know, for the most part, when we tax when we tax gains, it only comes after you've sold the asset and you have actually realized those gains, and those gains are in your pocket. Uh, but they're saying maybe for billionaires, especially when you consider that you know these billionaires added more than a trillion dollars to their wealth during the pandemic, while so many other people ended up losing. Um, they're saying, well, maybe we tax their unrealized gains just on billionaires, right? And there are less than 800 of them in the country. And so, uh, but people were up in arms about, oh my gosh, they're going to tax my unrealized gains. No. <laughs> Once again, they're not going to tax your unrealized gains. So I don't know. What do you think, Stacey? Are you, I don't are think you it's going to happen. Yeah, well, no, it's not. But uh, but I just thought it was an interesting brouhaha that, that yeah. went down and and just the the immediate backpedaling over it and yeah uh, i'm actually kind of astounded yeah. and i have to tell you that i'm i'm in the top tax bracket uh and i'm i could not be more delighted you know i mean I, I, for some reason uh people have been convinced to to vote uh, or scream against their own self-interest uh, they wanted to tax me more so they could provide free kindergarten for your kids and now and now apparently this isn't even going to happen uh so you know i well thanks you know that's all i can tell you <laughs> uh, I, I don't understand why. I really don't get it. I was I've been willing to pay more. I don't. I'm not. Hey, I'm not a fan of paying taxes. Don't get me wrong, but it sure looks like this whole thing going through. They're they're not going to tax anybody else. They're not going to tax anybody more, no matter how rich they are. It seems like. I mean, it hadn't happened yet. It's only November third, so you know, by the time you hear this, maybe they will have passed something. But 
They haven't passed anything now. And the, the thing they have passed, they watered down every tax increase there was. Yeah. So, 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 so yeah. So that was just kind of, I just wanted to do a quick note on that because I thought it was interesting. Uh, but the other, the other news things that I thought were interesting are going to be related to the investment changes that I made in the last week. So yes. yeah, when let's, we get to that portion. Do, no, we're, let, we have to do that now because we're running out of time. Let, let's go ahead and talk about the things we've done in the last week. This is the last part of our show. We've got a couple of minutes. Let's talk about the investments that we've made. Yeah. So I think uh, for me, the most fun has been uh, once again, I am holding I'm holding the line on my uh, equity investments, on my stock investments, on my index products. Uh, I'm still dollar cost averaging like I normally do. I'm just holding the line on all of that stuff. But I'm still having a lot of fun with crypto and poo coins. I always forget if I'm allowed to swear, and so so I'm like poo coins, <laughs> but uh, it's a good, I get it. poo coins. good switch, good switch. Uh, so, uh, but what I did was so with this whole metaverse thing and everything that was happening, right, and and the big news with Facebook and metaverse and everything else. Um, Decentraland, which is a, a decentralized app, it is a like. It's on the blockchain. They use Ethereum, uh, the, the Ethereum blockchain, to kind of build this sort of virtual little world. Um, so their token, Mana, started seeing a nice increase uh, and started going on an upswing about the same time. Um, well, no, they they saw a spike and then uh, kind of then it kind of dropped. And this big drop in Mana uh, after the big brouhaha over the metaverse and Facebook making a big splash about it, um, it started to drop again and started to crash again at about the same time Shiba Inu, which if you were listening to a podcast a few weeks ago, you know that I just for funsies. Got, bought millions of units of Shiba Inu, and so oh, so you're uh, rich now. Yeah, no, not quite, uh, because Shiba Inu isn't quite there yet. I I need Shiba in order to be a crypto millionaire. I need Shiba Inu to hit twenty cents, and that's not happening. So anyway, but I did go ahead, and I took I took some profits, so I doubled my money on Shiba Inu, left the rest in, um, and then uh, then. When it, uh, but then when it was like really spiking at about the time um, Mana was like dropping again, I went ahead and converted some of my Shiba Inu to Mana. And now I'm just kind of waiting to see, okay, if the metaverse does really become a thing, um, now that people know that mana is there, it could be a sleeper. I don't know. Uh, hey, kids, don't put your life savings into any sort of of, of crypto because, my gosh, uh, I don't know if you guys heard, too, another big news story related to crypto was that whole squid game situation. Yeah, yeah it went to that, zero. That squib, that's, well, that squid game token was basically a scam because if right. you were reading into it, you could buy it, but you couldn't sell it. They were not allowing people to sell their squid game token. And so basically- They ran away with $25 million or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. So basically they just took off with the money. They took the money and ran. And so, and I think it was more than that. Let me, let me double check. Well, in the um, meantime, I'll tell you that I, I've three point well, three million, three point three million, well, three point three million. So not a whole ton, ton, but a lot of people put a lot of stuff in there, um, and so you know they also took advantage of that whole metaverse thing because the Squid Game token was coming from playing a game. Um, there are some interesting tokens in the Philippines uh, where you can earn crypto by playing games and being engaged. So in, how do you how do you buy these? How do you buy this crypto? I mean, like in other words, yeah. what makes there's there's ten million of them out there what makes miranda excited enough where she's going to throw some money down on the newest craziest crypto 
Well, so first of all, Decentraland, uh, which is the blockchain, which is the DAP, I should say, it's not the blockchain because they're built on Ethereum, but uh, Decentraland, the uh, decentralized application, uh, DAP, as it were, uh, has actually been around since um, for several years. So MANA has been around, their token has been around for several years. This is not a Johnny come lately. It's just been kind of there. Um, it just got more attention uh, with this new talk about Web3 and the metaverse. And so what gets me excited, well, other than things like Shiba Inu, which I think are hilarious and I invest in it because it's hilarious um, and I have, you know, a few bucks to spare. Um, and, you know, it's like, well, I can play the lottery this week or I could I could buy million, ten, millions of units of Shiba Inu. OK, it's about the same. And so um, but things like Ethereum, which has a use, use case, Solana, which is a blockchain that is supposed to be run um, in an environment, environmentally friendly way. Um, things like Decentraland which is, you know, building on this idea of Web3, the metaverse, and bringing these things together, right? Integrating your online life with your, your offline life. And so things like that, that are interesting, I think it's kind of fun to see where it goes, see what happens. And as I've said, um, you know, I, I, fund, I fund those kinds of purchases with, um, with the profits that I make, from investing in poo coins for funsies. Um, so, how, so like, are you making a lot? See, here's the, here's the problem I have with this stuff, Miranda. And I I, I bought some uh, Ethereum since we talked last. I, I bought a couple of uh, units of Ethereum. I put like five grand in Ethereum maybe in the last month, and now it's up. You know, it's hitting new highs as we speak. So I'm very happy with that. But here's here's the problem. It's so risky that. In other words, if I'm going to put in enough money to move the needle, I won't put in that much because it's too risky. So I do have some money in in both um, Ethereum and in Bitcoin, but I'm not going to put in a hundred thousand dollars because it's too risky. And right. if I don't put in, if I don't put in a significant amount, it doesn't matter whether I win or lose. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like betting. It's like betting fifty cents. You know, if it's not going to move well, the needle, the what's the point? We can't. We can't have three thousand different currencies. Right. I mean, there's got to be one to rule them all, unless all of these are going to be consolidated well, into one. Too. Right. And what's going to be called just crypto in the in the end. That's all it's going to be called. And that's why I called. You did notice that I likened it to buying a lottery ticket. And you did notice that I talk about a lot of these things in terms of speculation. Because the thing that is different from me and you, Stacey, particularly when it comes to Ethereum, is I acquired all of my Ethereum prior to 2018. Yeah, I got some then, but not much. And so, so even though I don't have like tons and tons of Ethereum, right, just putting in three or 400 bucks in 2016 and 2017 has really, it has resulted in big gains, right? Yeah, no uh, doubt. The fact, the fact that I was given a, a Bitcoin in 2011 and then bought a little more Bitcoin over the years and I never had to put in more than a hundred bucks into Bitcoin. Yeah. Well, I, I put $250 into Bitcoin. I use a lot of that to buy the Ethereum that I have. But I've also bought some more Ethereum on the way. Right. Oh, so, so, so so, part of it too, right, is, is just like anything else when we're talking about speculation is timing. Um, do you have, you know, the ability to put in a little bit? Like my total amount that I personally, of my own money that I put into crypto, all, all like all told is less 
than three thousand dollars. Oh, I've got way more than that. Yeah. And but I but the the so-called value is way more. But that's only because I was able to get a lot early on, yeah. right? And so yeah. so 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 that's something to consider as well, right? You're not going to see the same gains. Like if you buy Bitcoin today, you're not going to see the same gains because Bitcoin has already obviously inflated so much right um you're not gonna see the same gains that i did <laughs> right okay. well, and, you know and this is, yeah go ahead go ahead finish finish well, your and, we're over time oh yeah so anyway so anyway that's just kind of the fun thing that i did is i'm still working on my crypto experiments and having a good time um and you know they're pretty they're relatively small especially by your standards stacy like i mean when i talk about like okay well i put like you know some money into shiba and then doubled it we're, we're talking like you know we're, we're talking not a lot here <laughs> we're talking yeah, well, like that, hundreds well, that's good. so it's the same thing so, well, <laughs> and that's the same thing with me too i mean I, you know relative to my net worth i'm not putting in a lot either because it's too risky i'm just not going to but i'm not going to sit on the sideline and have none either just in right. case it does go to a million. But uh, and by the way, though, I did buy something since we talked last two weeks ago. I bought something yesterday, as a matter of fact. I bought PayPal. I bought PayPal at $231, and it's now 225 So I'm down 2.5% one day. But I, and I only bought – I bought about half of what I want to buy, so I'm kind of hoping it goes down a little more so I can buy some more. But I love PayPal. You, you might have heard me say uh, in – prior podcast, I, I own a bunch of bank stocks, and I plan on getting out of those where I think the top of the market will be, which will be when interest rates go up. I've owned it for 12 years. And I want to get out of the traditional bank stocks and into new stuff, into um, new uh, fintech. And PayPal's that. You know, so I, I own JP Morgan. I'm ultimately going to sell that. I have not done so yet. But I'm going to buy things like PayPal. So I, I just put my big toe in the water there and got a little PayPal yesterday. I think that's the only thing I bought in the last couple of weeks. But uh, my infrastructure fund that we bought earlier this year is doing really well. It's up 22%. Um, the um, Las Vegas Sands I'm down on. But I also have a small cap fund, which is up 14% now. My Europe small cap fund is down still. And my emerging markets fund is down still a little bit. But uh, things I bought this year, all in all, yeah, I've, you know, I've done, made some money in some and lost some money in some. But uh, my worst investment this year has been Newmont Mining, which is down 21%. Uh, but I, but I, oh, my best one was that, <laughs> that chemo, uh, the um, biotech stock I bought a few weeks ago for 19 and sold it for 40 So I made about 100% on that. I still have some left. Anyway, the only thing I've done since we talked last was bought PayPal. I bought uh, about half of my position I want to own at the end of the day. Do you buy anything, Aaron? Nope. I uh, I think the more I've played the market, the more I've decided to stay out of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I did do something we talked about um, in the last uh, money update was uh, you talked about moving your brokerage. Uh-huh. So I, I moved brokerages. You did? Yeah. You tell me that. That's cool. You know what? We're way, way over time. Uh, so we're not going to have time for a question today. Uh, but that, that, was a, that was a good conversation we had today. A lot, of, a lot of stuff going on. And you know what? If you want to know what I own, by the way, folks out there listening, um, you can go to our show notes and you can get uh, my complete portfolio. I do not have my crypto on there, actually, uh, but I do have all the stocks that I own. And there's about 30 of them. So you can see everything I own right there for you. You can also see all the articles that we talked about and a whole bunch we didn't talk about. I mean, there's probably 20 of them. So it'll give you a good, it'll give you a good uh, background of what's been happening the last few weeks in the markets. We are out of time, guys, but we are never out of topic. 
dig a little deeper. Like I just said, you're going to find links and lots more info in our show notes. So take check them out. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home, well, it's moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquette, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. If you've got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, tell us about it. You can email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one last thing, if you appreciate what we do, do something for us, subscribe to our podcast. Takes you two seconds, helps us a lot, so please do it. If you like us, show us, and tell your friends too so they can subscribe. I'm Stacy Johnson. And I'm Miranda Marquette. And I'm Aaron Freeman. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We're going to see you right here next time.